0: Is there an easy way to, to know when you wake up, like, oh, this is an active recovery day or I'm yeah. sore, but I but I can work out again? So soreness is
1: a good thing. We want, um, soreness is okay. Um, the funny one is like people wake up and their back is sore. Mm-hmm. Like after, um, your back being sore, it's like, it's a good thing. That means you're growing the muscles. Now there's a difference between soreness and pain. Yep. So if you are taking steps and you feel like pain shooting through your knee, that's different than soreness. <laughs> right. Soreness is your muscles. You're like, ooh, those things worked. And if you can kind of like grab the muscle and kind of move it, and it kind of actually feels kind of good, um, that means that it's probably um, on the track of like, that's the right amount of stimulus the day before. If you go to like grab your quads, and you're like, oh, like, oh, um, and it hurts, that's the indicator like you went too far. Okay. okay. And we should definitely not be training those until we're back towards that kind of like light soar.
0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? we doing great, Patrick. Today we're going to, we're going to dive deep into a, a, an area of focus that we've touched on certainly in lots of different episodes, um, and that, that subject matter is recovery, uh, specifically recovery from your training. Um, somebody, we recently did an episode uh, about all the top trends that we've seen, uh, come and sometimes go within CrossFit and somebody sent me a message saying that they, they hope they were hoping that we'd touch on recovery specifically. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good idea because, uh, again, we didn't, we've never, we haven't hit on it. We haven't sort of like put a nail on it specifically before. Um, so I wanted to enter into the conversation with maybe your, um, uh, delineation between the five factors that we've talked about quite a bit for, Um, let's call, let's, let's call it general population. And then the five factors that I've heard you talk about plenty to, uh, comp trainers or to, to athletes like Catherine and and those, um, you, you have they're very similar, but they, uh, they differ in some pretty specific ways, including recovery. So can Mm -hmm. we maybe, um, start there and talk to me about, uh, why there's a difference between, uh, what I need personally and what, uh, you know, Cole needs. Yep. Um, you're up there with Cole. I you, you guys are you guys are in the same category.
1: Yeah. I, all right. So um, the five factors, what that reference is, is the five things that I believe are within your control that truly um, um, create excellent health. Right, so if you're trying to push off the nursing home, and live in a disease-free state, these are the things that I believe are the things that you should be focusing on. And the the first two are obvious, what your doctor talks about all the time, and we've talked about on this podcast a fair amount, which is um, your exercise, and nutrition. Um, from there, it's also um, about your sleep. It's about your mindset. So. Our, do you believe that you live in a hostile or, fr- or friendly world? You know, Albert Einstein's question. And then the last one is um, the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have meaningful relationships in your lives? That's amazing. That's gonna uh, pr- produce excellent health. There are a couple other factors that you don't have control over, but certainly influence your health, things like genetics and environment and other things. But these are things that we want our... Um, athletes, and I use the term athletes in terms of anybody that's a member of my jammer that I'm speaking to, we want those people to be focusing on those five things to help move the needle for them in terms of longevity, health, and avoiding disease, and living a productive, meaningful, functional life. For our athletes, and when I'm saying athletes in this term, I'm talking about our elite athletes who earn a living by, by, by their athletic performance. These are people that are professionals or striving to be professional athletes. In that case, things get shifted a little bit and (laughs) the way they prioritize things has more to do with um, optimal performance than longevity. We might be sacrificing some long-term results for some short-term gains and that's we're okay with that. It's kind of the idea like the, the average NFL player takes five years off of their life. Yeah. That's okay, that's a choice they're making and they're living this amazing life of doing, that, living their passion and becoming a professional athlete. For these guys, what I try to focus on, and we call this the process, this is the process. Can you focus with everything you have on these five things and as best as you can, let everything else fall off your shoulders? Because essentially, everything else is either outside your control or will not move the needle for you in terms of your athletic performance. There's some overlap, but there's a little bit of differences. The overlap is that there's still it's still about your nutrition. It's obviously still about your training. Um, it's about your sleep as well. But we actually separate another category away from sleep, which is recovery. And that's kind of where we are. And then the mindset is the other one that's mm-hmm. kind of overlaps as well. So we actually kind of say that recovery is so important for these athletes because for an everyday me, you, and an everyday soccer mom and dad and CEO trying to get fit, they're not putting their bodies through enough stress mm. to elicit enough that the the game is how fast can you recover and if they don't recover enough like you just kind of like move the needle the next day the game for these elite athletes is literally how much stress can you put under your body rinse, wash, repeat day after day after day after day. Because what happens is the greater the stress, the greater the response, Mm -hmm. as long as you allow your body to recover in between. So there is this kind of um, recovery and adaptation cycle. So if you think of this in terms of a graph, when you're training, you're actually getting weaker. Mm -hmm. You're getting less fit. You are gonna be able to produce less optimal results. That sounds really weird, but right. it makes sense. If I say, Patrick, I want you to run a mile as fast as you can, and you cross the finish line, sprinting to the finish line, and collapse at the end, you run a six-minute mile. I'm like, actually, Patrick, let's do that again right now. Well, the next mile is, <laughs> you're not gonna get faster, right. you're gonna get slower. Your next mile might be 6.30 or seven minutes, and who knows, or somewhere in between. But your performance is gonna go down. Mm-hmm. If I say, no, actually, let's do it again, it's gonna get worse. So. When you train, you actually get worse. Now, if you allow enough time, and that time is dictated by a number of different factors, and we'll kind of dive into this, Um, but if you allow yourself enough time, then during that recovery process is when you get stronger. If I say run a mile as fast as you can, and then I ask you to do it next week, mm-hmm. you may get faster. Right. But if I ask you to do it next minute, no way. Next hour, probably even not likely. Next day, I eh, don't know. <laughs> Three or four days later, yeah. maybe, yeah. right? So that's the idea, is are you putting enough time to allow your body to recover to create a super compensation? Your body adapts because it knows <clears> the stress that's <throat> gonna be under and it gets better at it. Now what we can do through this recovery tools and protocols and focus, is shorten up that time. Mm-hmm. And if we shorten up that time, you get more exposures, you get fitter. That's why recovery is so important. It is I mean, he who recovers fastest wins the CrossFit games mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. If you're smart and you work hard, it's basically like if you recover faster, you can do more training than I can and you're going to beat me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Is that the case that you've seen at the top of the games that the athletes who are and so today's episode, I've I've collected a list of, I don't know, it's 10 or 12 um, different tactics that that a person can take to recover faster. Um, Do you have you seen in your experience at the top of the games that, in fact, the the athletes who are continuously there are doing these tact or these ideas or these tactics more frequently? Like what is the, <clears throat> if yeah. that's the case, what is it that they're doing that other people aren't?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things. So um, if you recover faster, you can come into the gym and have a more productive session the next day. But in competition, this is obvious, right? right. You have event number one in the morning. If you don't recover for three days, like you're not going to compete at the CrossFit games. We need to be ready to go again in hours, if not minutes, right. depending on the event. So it's also about like how fast can you perform to, to create another high performance output so it's both like who who, he who recovers the fastest earns the greatest training adaptation but it's also preparing you for the Mm. demands of the sport during the sport so in football you have four to six seconds and a 40 second recovery four to six seconds and a 40 second recovery well if you don't recover in the 40 seconds like you're gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse you have to be able to go super high output and then likewise, you have to rinse, wash, repeat that for a three to 12 play drive. And then you get another recovery while the defense comes on the yep. field. And then you got to be able to do that for four quarters. So you kind of learn the demands of the sport and yeah. kind of work within those yeah, it constraints.
0: Makes, makes me think of hockey where there's are a totally, continual yeah. wave of new athletes coming exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: what those guys do really well is 45 seconds of high burst output with about a two minute recovery. Yep. And that's, that's a really... Like, think if you just did that for your training, like Mm. 45 seconds, max effort, 230 recovery. Like you get pretty darn fit. (laughs) Hockey players are pretty darn fit. Interesting. Um, Now, in terms of the recovery, there's another, we can take a little deeper dive because it's not just about like what we were just talking about was like hockey. It's like there's um, metabolic or like the aerobic system that needs to recover. There's muscular, which is that kind of like the the dreaded domes, the mm-hmm. DOMS, um, yeah, yeah. How you, more, delayed onset muscle soreness, which can come in you know eight to 36 hours. Um, and then there's a third one, which gets overlooked a lot, which is essentially kind of this um, psychological component, but it's really kind of how your body interprets stress, hmm. which is the nervous system. And the nervous system takes inputs and figures out what to do with that. Yeah. And should I be in rest and digest, in total chill mode, and hormones do one thing, or am I in fight or flight? And should I be freaking out and getting adrenaline going and cortisol and getting my performance um, indicators up and running? Those three things. Um, so if you run a um, a um, if you run the eight hundred, right? Your metabolic one, terrible race, right? (laughs) Yeah, or like the 600 hurdles or something like that. Like your metabolic is gonna be through the roof, right? But you're not gonna be necessarily very sore. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do it in training, your CNS won't be fried. But if you do that at the Olympics, your CNS might be fried. So the CNS can also be affected by a lot of other things. Like um, the other kind of thing there is like, maybe your CNS get fried, but the other ones don't. If you have to give a presentation, right? To a group of um, 300 people, you're gonna do a commencement speech. Mm-hmm. Like just me set talking to you right now, like Patrick, I'd like you to give the commencement speech um, to Stanford University this year. Your mm-hmm. heart rate is gonna start mm-hmm. to elevate right now. That's a response to this kind of like fight or flight. Your CNS is changing and shifting, your hormones are doing th- different things. When you experience any one of these three things, you need to create the the, the buffer for the recovery. And if you don't do that. You end up crashing and burning. Either you get injured, you um, your performance continues to go down and down and down. That's called overtraining, or your CNS gets fried and you just kind of like implode, (laughs) right? Where it's like you you can't figure out why, you can't figure out why, but things that bad things are happening. And I've worked with athletes that I before I took real kind of note of this stuff, and I didn't understand it. And when I was working with these athletes, I would have them go through a really stressful Experience and they get right back to training and things like their hair would start falling out. Like it's not like the CNS things for real. It's not just like my muscles aren't sore. I'm not breathing heavy. Let's go, coach. Like put me in. It's you have to take note of all three of those things equally. They're equal parts of the pie.
0: Interesting. Okay. Uh, So like I said, we've got I've sort of collected a a, I don't know ten or twelve just things that we've talked about in in brief before. Mm -hmm. um, Some a little deeper than others, but. Um, I'm just gonna run down the list. They're not in any order. Right. So, the first one is just uh, lacrosse or foam rolling, which is pretty pretty common and, and certainly yep. a lot of people have done before.
1: Okay, so um, th- this is uh, the kind of fancier word for that is um, self myofascial release. And myofascia myofas- is this stuff like in your body that you're just trying to like release, right? So, think of it as like scar tissue or tight muscles or gunkiness you are using. A um an object in this case either foam rolling or a lacrosse ball or something else a um supernova ball there's a whole bunch of these okay. um, you could even put like maybe like a grass in or something like in, in there um, even like those like canes that you use to like kind of grind yep. out your back like yep. all those things are the same thing it's it's a poor man's massage that's <laughs> that's what so it is a
0: substitute is. for an actual a human with two hands yeah and it's Got
1: a it. great substitute right yeah. it's a it's a phenomenal substitute if a massage is hundred bucks an hour. Like, I don't know many people that are going to be able to do that every single day. Right. So, this is a tool that you could easily use before or after your training for, you know, um, two minutes on a gunky area up to 20 minutes for a total body thing to kind of work some things out. So, that is a tool that can help get you back to better performance.
0: Active recovery is the next one.
1: Okay. So active recovery, what that's referring to is um, you do a workout like uh, in CrossFit, Karen, like 150 wall balls and your legs are just smashed the next day. You're so sore. You're, you're, um, um, the, the domes, right? The delayed onset muscle soreness, you have trouble going upstairs and getting off the toilet and you're sore to the touch. What most people do there is like take a day off of the gym. That's actually not the most productive thing to do. The more productive thing to do is go to the gym, don't do the day, the workout of the day, but start moving. Mm. Jump on a bike, then do some active, um, full range of motion stuff like Spider-Mans. Then try to hold onto a... Um, uh, a pole and try and work your way down below parallel then grab a very light kettlebell and do some russian swings then get back on the bike and bike and then rinse wash repeat then some new things some dowel passovers if it's your shoulders so we're looking for there is range of motion and blood flow mm-hmm. um that will actually speed things up in terms of recovery, not set you back. Now, if you come in and you're sore to the touch and you're like, screw it, I'm a baller. I'm going to do five by five back squats and yep. I'm going to do a bunch of sled pushes and I'm going to do um, you know, some crazy big mech- – like," that's going to set you back. Mm-hmm. So it, it's active recovery is working through kind of like – if we're talking about in terms of the aerobic system, um, zones one, two, three, four, and five. Zone one is where we are right now. Yep. It's got yeah, rest. Yep. Zone two is where we're working, but you could hold a conversation without really having to think about taking breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of heart rate, it, for most of us, that'd be like around 120 beats a minute, somewhere around there. Um, zone three would be like, we're working, but I could have a conversation I just have to mm-hmm. take a breath or two in between. Maybe your heart rate's in the 145s. <laughs> zone. Different zones. You, yeah. you like just tell me different zones to be in. Um, zone four, we could talk, um, but it'd be really broken up. Yep. It would be, yes, Patrick, I'm in zone four. And your heart rate's probably, you know, the 160s, 170s. Zone five is like your peak, it's your VO2 max. Don't it's 185. Me. <laughs> and you ask you a question and it's, I'm not even giving you body yeah. language. I'm yep. not even smiling. Mm-hmm. I'm not nodding. I'm kind of like focused on my thing. Um, in terms of active recovery, it's zone two stuff. We want to be in zone two and that's where the recovery stuff happens. Even zone one can get you there. So even like just like total chill mode, but yep. we're moving, yep. can get you there.
0: Um, maybe it's it, it's a big question, but when do you know or when does an athlete know that that soreness should re- re- ideally require... Active recovery versus just soreness that is okay, and I'm going to go hit today today's workout as yeah. well. Is there an easy way to to know when you wake up? Like, oh, this is a active recovery day, or I'm yeah. sore, but I but I can work out again. So soreness
1: is a good thing. We want um, soreness is okay. Um, the funny one is like people wake up and their back is sore, like mm-hmm. after um, your back being sore. It's like it's a good thing. That means you're growing the muscles. Now, there's a difference between soreness and pain. Yep. So if you are taking steps and you feel like pain shooting through your knee. That's different than soreness. Right. Soreness is your muscles. You're like, ooh, those things worked. And if you can kind of like grab the muscle and kind of move it and it kind of actually feels kind of good, um, that means that it's probably um, on the track of like that's the right amount of stimulus the day before. If you go to like grab your quads and you're like, oh, ah, like, oh, um, and it hurts, that's the indicator like you went too far. Okay, okay. And we should definitely not be training those until we're back towards that kind of like light soreness type thing um
0: every time every time i think of karen i think of matt Frankel at the games that year with every like everybody yeah. on the team had one and he did he try to or did he succeed at getting all he did 150? not go unbroken at the okay. time but I he remember, probably would
1: have but he had a whole bunch of no reps okay. not his fault because i'm his coach in the stands <laughs> Yep. and this is early crossfit yeah, this
0: is like 11 maybe 12 yeah so,
1: so it's the year we won the crossfit yeah. game, it's super cool and he was uh no one was doing a. everyone yeah. does karen unbroken right. now back then that would have been like ridiculous <laughs> yeah so he's getting these no reps and i'm like i'm like matt just throw it higher just throw it higher because back in the day yeah. it was just like you just had to get it at or above yeah. a 10 foot target and i was like just throw it you're getting no reps just throw it higher and i didn't know that it had to actually for the games it was one of the first times they held yeah. the standard you have to hit the target got it <laughs> And I'm like so yelling it. I'm <laughs> screaming. I'm like, it's like, and I'm giving him bad coaching advice. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay, so active recovery. And then the next on my list is total rest. And I think maybe part of your answer, if you could if you could answer this, would be um, when do you know, you know, the classic CrossFit sort of prescription is three days on, one day off. Do you, is, is that one day off an active recovery day or is that a total rest day? Yep. How do you know when those, when one is called for, when, when the other is called
1: Love for. Love it. So um, the the traditional CrossFit model was you do, uh, you work out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you take Thursday off and then you work out another three days and you take another day off, you work out another three days, take another day. The idea behind that is it's a sustainable workload for a long period of time. Now that's, that's a prescription for the masses mm-hmm. and most people are gonna see, that's a pretty safe prescription for the masses but it's not a prescription for you. Mm-hmm. You might thrive under something very, very different. You might thrive under um, working super hard for two days and taking a day off, and then working super hard for two days and taking a day off. Our competitors, their normal protocol, I'm gonna get to your question, of, yeah, like, yeah. is it active? Um, uh, what I do is I work out five days in a row and take one day completely off. That's what's worked really well for me for the last three or four years. The majority of our competitors work three days, do an active recovery, work two days, and then take a full full day of recovery. So they're doing both yep. on those recovery days. Yep. So if it's a normal week, call it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is on. <coughs> Thursday is an active recovery where they maybe go to the gym and do something light or they do a light swim or um, yoga or something like that. And then Friday, Saturday, they're back to hitting it hard. And Sunday is a total recovery day. That total recovery day is really nice because it allows for that third category we talked about, which is the nervous system to kind of yep. chill the heck out. <laughs> I'm not under total stress. Yep. I'm not under the gym. I'm not even like in a gym. Yeah. I get to like, kind of like relax and recover, rest and digest. Got it. Cool.
0: Um, next one is the uh, the classic stretching.
1: Okay. So stretching has its place. Like, um, if you're doing certain training, um, your muscles may get tight, right? And if you can get them back to full range of motion, that can help. So, um, stretching is a good, is, is good. And we can talk about whether that's like, um, or Kelly Starrett stuff or yoga. Um, they all have their place Mm -hmm. and any one of those things is is cool. Um, but it's a thing that, um, um, you should, Stretching to for the sake of stretching, um, it might not be the most productive thing because if you already have full range of motion, you're just stretching to stretch. Yeah, you know, um, stretching certainly has its place in a lot of recovery protocols. Um, And the biggest thing to think about is if you wake up and you don't feel like you have full range of motion, um, you doing what? Fill in the blank of what you feel like stretching is. Is that active? You know, is that um, active range of motion stuff? Is it yoga? Is it um, whatever that might be you getting back to through and your form of stretching back to full range of motion is a powerful tool.
0: So would you recommend people do it first thing in the morning? If that's, if that's something that they feel like they need and or want. So the protocol is 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 you can do it, or is there like a do after your workout? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, I would say that after your workout, I think a really powerful thing to do is to do some light stretching, restore full range of motion along with some active, um, um, self-myofascial release. So um, those type of things can can help as well. If I had to choose the um, the foam rolling, self myofascial stuff before or after training, I would put that before. Okay. If I had to choose static stretching, I would put that after.
0: Why is it? So you say that, and and I flash back to high school track and field. We always stretched before we did anything else, yep. right? We got in the circle, and we all, and even pretty much any sport. Yep. Why is it that and why is was that the case? Is it still the case? And yep. why isn't that the maybe the right order of events yeah. in, in an ideal world? It
1: may still be the case in some yeah. places, but in a high level of athletics, you won't see that yeah. anymore. Um, what you'll see is active stretching, mm-hmm. which is um, things like, I think just think about like um, lunging and um, um, running with high knees yep. and arm circles. And what you're trying to do is bring your body um, through a full active, controllable range of motion. What you don't wanna do is sit there on the ground, put a leg out and try and bring your nose to your knee and create passive range of motion. Passive range of motion can um, at best um, diminish performance because you're eliminating the stretch reflex which is like as I go through a range of motion, there's an equal and opposite act force the other way. So if I'm sprinting and I drive an elbow back behind me, mm-hmm. that elbow then wants to come back forward and so on. Yep. Well, if you do a bunch of stretching, you diminish that stretch reflex. That's the best case scenario your performance goes down. Yep. The worst case scenario is you get hurt. Right. So um, what you'll see now more often is more active stretching beforehand. And then you may see and you probably will see some more passive stretching afterwards. Got it.
0: The next one is uh, it's NormaTech, and I wonder if NormaTech specifically, or if there are a range of products that do a f- that do similar things to the NormaTech. So, what, the first question is, what is NormaTech? Yeah. and then are there? six other brands that are similar to it or is norma Tech doing something that's that's actually pretty unique and and they're the only ones
1: yeah so a norma Tech unit are these um <clears throat> essentially big uh sleeves that you can either put your arms into or your legs into yep. and then they pump them full of air to compress sections of the body in a systematic order so what it does is it creates this um Kind of lymphatic it kind of creates this drainage it creates this oil change for the body it's basically flushing the bo- the blood in and out of areas it. um it started in the medical community for people that had surgery to prevent from from getting blood clots mm-hmm. so those people would wear stockings yep. so compression yep. and then they would uh, they were given normatec i don't know if it's called normatec but they were giving normatec units mm-hmm. to make sure that the blood was continuing to flow even if they were in their bed for a long period yep. of time even if they were um immobile for whatever reason um that made its way because it worked um it worked to prevent um, people from getting blood clots and mm-hmm. kept the blood flowing um what works in the athletic community in the medical community transferred its way to the athletic community um and norma Tech created a second norma Tech is a brand in yep. the company create a secondary um division product line for athletics yep. um and we use it it, mm-hmm. it works um I particularly like it for the lower extremity stuff. The upper body one's just a little more awkward and you can't sit there on your phone or read as well because your arms don't mobilize. But the lower body one works really well to sit in there for 20 to 60 minutes to try and get these three, four, five extra kind of cycles of the game is blood works because it brings good stuff to areas and removes bad stuff. So when you work out, we already said that you're kind of damaging areas. You're creating possibly... You know, again, kind of best case scenario, you're just kind of creating some waste products, some mm-hmm. lactic acid. Worst case scenario, maybe it's like you'd have like some, some scar tissue or, um, you know, some muscle breakdown, you know, that's uh, worse than that. What these, what, what um, blood flow can do is bring good oxygenated, clean blood to the area and remove the bad stuff. Normatech just helps speed that along a little bit. Um, to answer the other part of your question is, I don't know if there's other players in the space yeah. or if Normatech has just done a cr- ridiculously no. phenomenal job of um, owning the space. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that we use. We like it. The product continues to get better and better. This is not a plug for them. I don't have – I'm not endorsed yeah. by them or anything like that. It's just um, – it's a product that I like that all of our elite athletes use. Got
0: it. The next one is electric stim, which I assume stands for electric stimulation. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's it. That is what it stands for. I went to for. grad school. So yes, I, you're a smart I'm dude. Smart, <laughs> wicked smart. <laughs>
1: um, it's a product that our elite athletes use. It's not very common used in like I think everything we talked about so far is kind of used by normatex kind of shifting yeah. um, more towards just like used by the elite athletes. Um, and I don't know any of my regular everyday athletes that do e-stim, um, but all of my elite athletes do it. Mm. It again is the idea of getting um, blood flow. So you are getting a muscle to um, involuntarily contract and relax way, way, way more frequently than you could do any other which way, which then again drives more blood flow to the working area. So it's another mechanism you can use to bring good to the area and remove the bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the units are things like, uh, you could probably help me out with this, but Compex, Uh, Mark Pro Power Dot um, all of those things and they all have kind of their pluses and minuses for each one of those things
0: got it cool the next one is cold showers or cold immersion
1: okay so um, if you so cold showers and cold immersion can work I'm not the expert in this Mm -hmm. so um, I think that the expert would be Wim Hof Mm -hmm. Um, Wim Hof is this um, freak (laughs) Uh, you know, clowned Mount Everest in negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit in nothing but a shirt because he's done so much cold immersion and figure out how to work his mind to control his body. There's a whole um, big school that lives under the cold immersion window yep. that I'm not the expert to. I can speak to it in terms of recovery from athletic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of two facets to that um but forget about like i'm not i like i don't know enough about like brown fat like there's a like these different kinds of fat that you can use and yep. I'm so that's not me um what i can talk about is like after you work out a lot of people um have used ice like my shoulder is super sore yep. so they use ice you see pictures after a game these big packs of ice are, um my take on that is that does not speed up recovery mm. I believe it slows down recovery, because what we're trying to do is get blood flow, good, clean blood to the affected area. When you put ice on it, you're slowing that down. So my take on that is ice in that case for recovery is not as beneficial, but ice does play a place in terms of trying to bring down your body temperature. Mm-hmm. So if you are exercising, particularly in um, heat, if you are doing, um, Doing an event at the CrossFit Games, you're doing Murph, which mm-hmm. they did in 120 degrees. If you can bring your body temperature back down to normal 98 faster than your competitors, you're going to do better in the next event than your mm-hmm. competitors will, all else, things being equal. Mm-hmm. So a cold immersion can help that out drastically. If you just kind of like sit in the sun and wait for it to come back down, you're gonna you're not gonna optimize that. So you can use cold to bring down internal body temperatures in terms of um targeted um mm. inflammation i i don't think it's the tool people think it is
0: um so i take a i take a cold shower every day um not by any means an expert but but the first time i did it was years and years ago very early on and you do it every day yeah every morning so my my have you missed a morning my, oh yeah of course but okay. but 9 times out of 10 it's a cold shower so How usually long? usually I work out like five to six minutes. So usually yeah. I work out and then re- go right into a cold shower. But my first experience with a cold shower was in, my, in an early CrossFit workout that I was doing, the old CrossFit Boston. And John Gilson was was my friend, but also the coach of the class. And he stopped me midway through the workout. He's like, I think you're doing too much. I need you to go take a cold shower. And I was like, first of all, like, what? <laughs> like yeah. everything, like nothing made sense. But I did. and And honestly, I think it probably saved me from a very early case of rhabdo. Yeah. Cause it was like heat exhaustion or whatever it it was. Cause it may have been something like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I, it was like, Oh, he's serious about this. So So there
1: is also like, there's the psychological effects. There's the brown fat thing. There's the, um, the metabolism and the immune system and Mm -hmm. all it's a little bit outside the scope of, um, where I'm kind of living, which is this athletic performance recovery place. So, um, I encourage people to, to take the deeper dive, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not that resource.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next one is the flip side of that, which we've talked about a little bit uh, in the top trends um, episode is saunas. Mm. Um, So saunas can, again, like we just talked about in
1: terms of like increasing blood flow, like if you heat things up, (laughs) like blood flow is a little bit easier. Um, It also like you will, um, I everyone else has had this experience as well, it's like going like a hot yoga class. And like, wow, I'm a little more bendy and stretchy than Mm -hmm. I used to be. It can restore kind of range of motion. Um, You just have to be careful with saunas because um, the right exposure can can help recovery. um, Certainly through um, you know if you if you step it up enough um, through HGH release, human growth hormone, which we talked about before. Um, But it's a it's it's a sword, and um, you have to you can get cut. Um, if you go too long in it, you can get dehydrated and it's going to make your recovery worse. Um, there's again, kind of like the cold immersions, there's this other whole school of thought of like training in like, dude, like it's what you want to do is bring your assault bike in the sauna and do like, you know, one minute intervals in the sauna. And you know, that's (laughs) like, yeah.
0: Uh, Next one is a big one, sleep, which we've talked about obviously a little bit at the beginning of the episode.
1: Okay, so sleep is its whole huge, massive thing. It's actually its own category unto itself for my athletes. It's so massively important that I don't even put it in the recovery thing because all these things we're putting together, all these things we're talking about combined put together will not match up against your sleep. The sleep by itself is more powerful than every one of these other dozen or so little tricks and trades. We've talked about it before, so we won't do the deep dive yeah. here, but the big ones are quality and quantity. Yep. There's a whole bunch of tr- tips and tricks we can take. Check out the sleep episode if yep. you want to take a deeper dive. Um, but what we're looking for is um, anything less than seven hours and you're hurting your recovery, you're getting worse. You're walking around creating mild brain damage. Let that sink I'm in for serious. a second. If you have above <laughs> seven hours, you're somewhere in the middle. Um, the kind of matching numbers at seven to nine. Our games athletes, like Brooke is the best of sleep of the athletes I train. And she's hovers around the 10 hour mark all the time. You know, when James Hobart used to be on our team and train yeah. us, he was the notorious one that like, he would say like, sleep is it guys. Like, yeah. he, and he would sleep 10 hours, almost like, he sleep like a vampire too. Yeah. He lived in my house. He would like lie on his back, totally flat, hands across his chest, not moving. It's like, yeah, and he had like quarters covering his eyes. It was really weird. <laughs>
0: That's probably just because he's really lazy though. (laughs) Uh, Okay, nutrition is the next one, another big one. Okay,
1: so nutrition is its own category as well, but it has to be talked about when we're talking about recovery. Um, The big one there is, uh, again, quality and quantity. Are you eating... um, Real foods, processed foods, will not help you recover. They'll do the opposite. They're going to hurt your recovery. Whole foods, because they're so nutrient-dense and full of the vitamins and minerals and phyto- you know phytochemicals and fiber and all the other stuff, it's going to help so much in terms of your recovery process. Um, if you have sore joints, start thinking about uh, omega-3s and leafy greens. Those two things will help... Um, um, recovery a lot. So if you're like, I eat totally clean. Yeah. But it's all chicken and steak tips. Like you need to get some of the other stuff in as well. Interesting. Um, and then from there is, is, uh, quantity as well, which you, um, the biggest one for athletes in our sport is, um, carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. We operate in a glycolytic sport, meaning that you're burning up your stored sugars, um, AKA carbohydrates. You got to replace those things. If you don't, you'll be operating at a, at a deficit and you're not going to recover as well. Um, secondarily, it becomes a, a protein game, and that's pretty easy. You're trying to get in about 0.7 to 1.2 grams of uh, protein per pound of body weight. So if you are a um, 200 pound guy, you just gained thirty pounds. Congratulations! Nice. Um, then you're looking to get in somewhere in the neighborhood of that, like uh, you know, 140 to 200 grams of protein, and it's kind of like, okay, do you want to be a little bit leaner and smaller, go on the lower side? No, I want to enter a bodybuilding competition to maximize my strength gains. Go on the higher end of that.
0: Uh, by and large, do you find that your athletes uh, g- generally need to in- increase their intake of carbs and protein, or is it is it is that or is that not true? Um, like, are they just not eating enough? Generally speaking, um, my elite athletes, uh, I would Yeah, say, anybody, yeah. So, anybody who's beyond just the, the so here's
1: a, the, um, the everyday, everyday athletes, the the regular gym goers are eating too much. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, elite athletes are not eating enough. So when we adjust their, um, calorie and macronutrient breakdowns, we're almost always bringing the everyday Joe's down and mm-hmm. we're almost always bringing the elite athletes up. That's interesting. The next one is a float tank. Okay, so a Which float, are, Have yeah. you ever been in one of those? I have actually never been in Me one. Neither. I would like to, yeah. um, but my athletes use them. Yeah. Um, I believe, and um, I'm not an expert on this either, but I, I prescribe it for my, mm. my athletes because I do believe in it. I believe it has a lot of benefits from the, um, the CNS perspective. Mm. So we spend a lot of our time unnecessarily in um, the fight or flight. So there's the parasympathetic nervous system and there's the sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is rest and digest. This is where you can chill and you can recover. Where you're, most of us spend most of the time, unfortunately and unnecessarily so, and it's, it's in contrast to our evolutionary past, is in fight or flight. And it's not because we are like the elite athletes, we're training eight hours a day. It's because you have this project to do. You're fighting traffic. Mm -hmm. You're late for a meeting. You're on social media. You're on this constant on, 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 on. These flow tanks are a form of sensory deprivation Mm. where you get into like this dreamlike state and it's very um, uh, meditative. And you can allow your body to truly, the idea behind it is you don't feel anything. Mm. There's no gravity. There's no noise. There's no light. There's no there's sensory deprivation. So of the five sentence, senses, nothing everything shuts off mm-hmm. It allows your body to totally chill. And what it's doing is really finding that parasympathetic nervous system.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't on on my list, but that is is much of what we're talking about on on some level, uh, an act of reducing stress.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So stress is stress is stress right. is stress. It right. doesn't matter if it's coming from you got this project due. If it's from like uh, you broke your leg, if it's from the training that you did, or if you had a fight with your wife, it doesn't like it's all the same thing. Your body's responding to it by putting you into this sympathetic nervous system. Well, that's it's okay to be there, and I want you to be there. Stress is what makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. There's a reason we work out, is because the stress from working out makes you stronger. I don't want you to go through the life with sunshine and rainbows. I want you to experience some levels of stress. That adversity is going to make you stronger. The problem is when we never come back down from it. Right. That's where recovery happens. And as I mentioned with the training, it's only in that recovery process that your body's allowed to get stronger and create a super compensation. Mm-hmm. If you are stressed from work and then you go home and you have a bad home life and then you go to the gym and you work out at crazy high intensities and then you come back home and on the in all the way in between, you're either fighting traffic or you're doing text or you're doing business calls mm-hmm. and then you have this project do when someone spills coffee on you it's like that you're not going to recover (laughs) you you are
0: you are not going to recover yeah interesting okay uh the next one is we we mentioned it briefly when we were talking about uh lacrosse balls and foam rolling being sort of a uh an an excuse or 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 how to get around not having a human being giving you body work or or whatnot so where does that fit in
1: the human being giving you body yeah that's uh phenomenal i would say um if i had so i've said this before like if if um, if you win a gazillion dollars and you're going to hire one person, mm-hmm. what would you hire like a, a chauffeur? Would you hire a chef? Would you hire a pilot? Would you hire um, someone to organize your life? Uh, I would hire a professional body worker. I mean, it, you just like, I think it's Tom Brady, right? Mm. With Alex Guerrero has somebody at his disposal all the time to work out all the kinks. That is a real thing. Like um, massage does kind of, <laughs> Um, two of these, two of the three things very well. So it's metabolic distress, muscle distress, and CNS. Well, the CNS, you're again getting this meditative state. You're like, relax. Mm-hmm. There's no inputs. So it's just like you're totally kind of chilling. Now, if you have somebody that's like digging into a grass and tool, <laughs> you might go into fight or flight. Yeah. But in general, like a massage or something like that can be kind of this meditative state, which is really nice. Um, but the other part, the, the obvious part is the muscle quality. So it's not just about muscle length and stretching it, it's actually about the quality of the muscle. So um, think about like um, Hero Dreams of Sushi type thing. Mm-hmm. Like this mat, a great sushi chef, he's looking for the best quality meat of a salmon he can find. If it's damaged or it's bad, he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing inside our bodies. You have muscles. It's not about our, one side is like how big and strong are they? But the other part is the quality. Are the are the muscles sliding and gliding over each other really well? Are the, um, you know, I'm trying not to... Um, use sciencey things, but like are the tendons and ligaments um, really healthy and strong? Mm-hmm. Professional body work does a does a wonders on moving the needle in that category. I would love to have access to that, you know, on a daily basis. I get it done. Um, it used to be once a week and now it's once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that I think that when I'm when I miss that now, every two week thing, um, I feel it. Mm. Um, and if I could do it more frequently, I would, it's just that it's time, yep. you know, and, um, but it's also, that's expensive.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe a dumb question, but is chiropractic, does that fit into that, yeah. that body work category? So or chiropractic is, is
1: kind of this big all encompassing term now. Yeah. So it used to be like snap and crack your back and right. adjust. Now it's, um, involves like um active release techniques and a lot of stuff in between um i would certainly put it in this category um you creating optimal alignment and things do fall out of alignment uh chiropractic is not witchcraft which like <laughs> you talk about somebody like in the 80s going mm-hmm. to like a chiropractor and they're like oh my god like yeah um but now it's it's um it's so um that's what i used to do i used to do massage therapy once a week yep. uh, one, sorry once every two weeks and the opposite week i would go to um an ART practitioner, yep. chiropractic, um, and those two things together worked fairly well. Um, my chiropractor has since stopped practicing in the local area, so mm. I have to like find somebody else.
0: <laughs> the next one is <clears throat> creams or Advils or anti-inflammatory. Okay, so um,
1: so if you put on like a sports cream, right, like a, a Ben Gay or yep. a um, Biofreeze, yep. or you take ibuprofen or um, an anti-inflammatory. In the immediate, that's going to give you pain relief. That's mm-hmm. what they're designed to do. Um, it is um, it is a pain relieving mechanism. So there's that side of it. If you need to recover to perform now, those are phenomenal, right? If, if you're that games athlete and your legs are sore to the touch like we talked about, you don't have the option of being like, I'm going to wait till Monday. So you got to go on the field. Yeah. So taking one of those things is great. But there's um the obvious risk that you are masking the pain mm-hmm. right and pain is an indicator that something's wrong so in everyday training that's not what we'd want to do um kind of using the um the functional medicine analogy for this is if you're walking around and, um you, you have a, a, a your foot hurting because you have a pebble in your shoe you would walk around with a pebble in your shoe for 3 months and your foot's really sore and it's building up blisters and it's building you know ripping your foot apart um, what you could do is take ibuprofen, Right. you know, and it would, it would help the pain, Yeah. but it's not gonna fix the issue. <clears throat> the better thing to do is to root the cause. What's causing the pain? Ah, there's a pebble in my shoe and remove mm. the pebble. Same type of thing is like, okay, my shoulder's killing me. Well, instead of taking ibuprofen, let's figure out what we can do to make your shoulder better. Um, and that's where you kind of get down these kind of like, um, so we're talking about like popping pills or putting on creams. Yep. Um, there's two different schools of those things. The one is that it's um, pain masking. So that is mostly menthol in terms of the creams. That's what Biofreeze is. That's why you get the pain relieving Mm -hmm. because menthol numbs it. It's also the thing that smells a lot. Um, In the pills, it's a pain relieving agent, which is the ibuprofen part of it. But there are other things that people pop, like turmeric, right? Like um, um, glucosamine, like uh, creatine, like... um, And then creams, there's things like Arnica and other um, things that allow for like healing type things to go on. So um, if your cream um, has things like that in it, like probably something that's not just masking pain, this could be helping Mm -hmm. you recover. Mm -hmm. Same thing with if you're taking like um, a supplement that's not for masking pain, but it is in order to lower inflammation. That's where I would say the two schools of thoughts of like putting on cream and popping pills. Kind of like that's kind of where I would um, delineate the difference between the two.
0: Got it. Last one I have is meditation, which is not something we've talked about a ton. Okay, but we've we've
1: alluded to a little bit. Sure. So this this is kind of like um, that psychological, yeah. how your body interprets. Um, outside stimulus, a.k.a. stress, if you want to call it, right? And should I be raising cortisol and adrenaline and um, putting myself in this heightened state, my heart rate going up and my blood pressure rising to get me ready to perform? I either have to run away from danger or fight it. Or am I chilling with my tribe and chilling and allowing my body to just recover for the next time I have to go fight off that danger? Mm -hmm. Meditation is a really nice way when you're in an unnecessary or if you're in an overly um, uh, sensory um, environment where you're being overloaded, mm-hmm. it's a way to bring you back down into that rest. It's a mechanism, it's a, it's a mechanistic tool. It's a thing that you can use to switch from fight or flight to rest and digest. Mm-hmm it helps with the CNS response, obviously is what we're getting at, the, the third pillar of recovery. So whether that is something like an app like Headspace, whether that is something like box breathing, where you take four second breath in through the nose, hold for four seconds, four breath, second breath out, hold for four seconds, rinse, wash, repeat that four times. Okay, good, relax, come back to it, just trying to focus on your breath, that sort of thing. Whatever you can do to get you out of that kind of like freak out mode back to chill. And what's cool about this is it can help for recovery, mm-hmm. okay? But um and certainly meditation is one of the practices that's used by a lot of high performers in their daily routines. The other cool thing is if you practice it a lot, call it meditation, call it mindfulness, call it um um breathing, whatever you want to call it, yeah. whatever your practice is, call it gratitude if you want to, I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, if you practice these things, what you can do is, in a moment, you can get yourself in from an athletic performance standpoint into what has been defined as like the zone, mm. right? Where you're not overthinking things. Interesting, yeah. You're letting your natural abilities just
0: flow. So you're sort of fighting the, 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 the natural stress or anxiety. Yeah. That so the if the environment is. Let's
1: say you're tasked with taking the last second shot for your basketball team mm. in the championship game and you're down <clears throat> by one. If you're like trying to get yourself jacked up for that, you are you might not perform as yeah. well as if you took an alternative route, which is try to chill yourself and let the 10,000 hours of practice you spent honing on your craft just flow. If you're thinking about, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the inbound ball. I'm gonna take three steps. I'm gonna square my shoulders. I'm gonna point my elbow at the end. I'm gonna follow through, making sure I'm putting my fingers in the basket, aim for the back of the hoop. It, like you're not gonna do as well as like, just yeah. like, I got this, man. Give me the ball. Yep. I got this. I
0: remember we've talked about that in the the story of Cole. Year, this is a few years ago now, where he needed to win win the last workout, and it was it was. I remember asking you if it was was that a moment that he needed to calm down, or he needed to fire himself up, and the workout itself sort of required or allowed him to be more fired up than than calm down. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was my list. The last question I have for you is, um, a lot of those are very nitty gritty, you Mm -hmm. know, like Normatex and and saunas and a lot of things that i've never done cuz i guess maybe i've yeah. never taken my fitness or my my pursuit of fitness that seriously so where is the line between these are the things that you should be doing just as an just as part of your pursuit of overall health and and fitness and where is where does you cross over the line to say you probably don't need to do that or you should do that if you're trying to Get to the podium of a yep. sanctional or, or whatever it is. Is there a clear delineation between and to worry about that and oh yeah. no, you should be doing that?
1: I love that question. I, but I think it's a. I don't think it's a clear delineation. I don't think it's a line. Mm. I think it's um, shades of gray. Okay. Right. So if you're coming to the gym one day a week, right, and it's like we have to pull tooth tooth and nail to get you there. It takes every bit of motivation you can to get to the gym one day a week, like. about don't worry about any of this. Like it's not that big a deal. You know, if you're the type of person that's going to the gym three or four days a week, um, then maybe what we'll do is we'll do a little bit of um, active um, range of motion stuff before you train. Maybe we'll get on a foam roller. And then um, after you're done, maybe we'll jump on a bike for like two, three minutes just to flush things out a little bit. If you're going to the gym, five days a week and fitness is a big part of your life maybe you bring that practice into play but you also try to play with um, you know you try to start worrying about your sleep and your nutrition a little bit more obviously I almost want to leave those things out maybe what we'll do is we'll try to get some body work done once a month right if you're trying to go to the CrossFit games and you're not doing all of these things in some form or fashion you're leaving performance on the table
0: got it awesome Uh, that is what I've got today. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Patrick. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.